bass crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes, helping you to push through because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free to your ear holes. You'll see, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canato. That's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis. The jester of the Andals and the First Men. The sunburnt. The breaker of chain combos. The warden of the nope. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I think this might be the first thing I don't get. Is it Game of Thrones? Do you not watch that? I do. I, I binge watched the first three seasons like a while ago and watching three seasons in two days. I was like, I get it. Introduce new character. Make me love new character. Kill new character. Introduce new character. Make me love new character. Wow. Kill new character. So I fell you off. Really, you really are the warden of the nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah. Is that what it is? Oh, is that, is that Game of Thrones? Heart. It's so good, dude. It's sure so it's good. good. I love Ed Sheridan, so I'm excited to dive back in. You mean Ed Sheridan? <laughs> I, I don't know who he is. I don't know. <laughs> Ed Sheridan. Sheridan. Ed Sheridan, he, by the way, is the prop guy for Game of Thrones. And he's he fantastic. owns those hotels, the, the Sheridan hotel line. It's oh, okay. very wealthy. Oh, luckily, our guest is going to have my back on this, and I'm excited. DLC is the name of the show. What does the DLC stand for? Well, Every week, it's downloadable Kanata, downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Die, Live, Compete. Because he now works at Respawn. But if you've been around a while, you probably remember him from EGM, The One Up Show, Area 5. I am so excited to finally have my friend and Respawn's community manager, Jay Frechette, on the show for the first time. What's up, Jay? What's up, guys? Jeff, I thought I got Game of Thrones reference right away. I thought that was... Very well done. Well, thank you very much. If anybody watched last night, no spoilers, but there's a funny bit when uh, the listing of the titles happens and then somebody else goes, uh, here he is, this guy. And I thought it was really funny. So My favorite reference for that was uh, Starbucks cups, one with Daenerys and one with Jon Snow's Starbucks cups and what that would look like. Oh, um, hilarious. Right around. That was a pretty pretty good one. Love it. Can uh, I mention we... – oh, go ahead. No, you want to mention something? Go ahead and mention yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say, just uh, we talked about a little pre-show, but I want to mention on the show. People remember, um, I don't know how long ago it was, a couple months ago, six months ago maybe even, um, I did a, a big charity thing with a friend at Regular Hero, and we gave a bunch of games out, and Jay was instrumental in getting a bunch of awesome stuff from Respawn to give away. So I need to say again, with him on the show properly, thank you so much. It, it, made, it was for Christmas, and it made, it made these families Christmases. It was absolutely incredible. No, that's awesome. I appreciate it. You know, we try to do what we can. You know, there's a lot of people in need out there and uh, something Respawn cares a lot about. So I'm happy you guys reached out to us. We, we love doing that kind of stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about Respawn before we jump into the show proper, because uh, you guys are the, the studio behind Titanfall and Titanfall 2. And Titanfall 2 just had one of its biggest DLC releases in a while recently. Tell me about this period after the game has shipped properly, I mean, Christian and I both had that game on our top five of the year last year. I think it is one of the best first-person shooters I've played in a long time. Um, but now the game is out. What, what does what is it like working at a studio after the big release hits and then you start a new year with, with that game sort of having a long tail? Yeah, I mean, it's very much uh, sort of like I said, shipping the game is really just the start. 
of the adventure. That's kind of the landscape we're in now. I do remember when you would ship a game and that would kind of be it. <laughs> and now it's like, nope, uh, you're going to have a lot more uh, stuff to release. It's, it's really exciting because I think like the landscape of, um, you know, I think, well, let me go back to this. I think right when anytime, you know, with any studio that ships a game, um, you know, you're always, things always you can't ship everything that you wanted to at launch. There's always stuff that hits the cutting room floor. You will come up with ideas late in development or ideas for um, uh, cool other prototypes or things you can do in the game that just aren't going to make it at ship. So I really like live service because I do think that gives an opportunity for uh, us to experiment, try new things, but also make sure we're shipping the base game at quality and then we can do a bunch of cool stuff uh, afterwards, whether that's maps and modes, quality of life, balance changes and things like that. So, you know, um, Going into this live service plan for Titanfall 2, this is very different than what we did for Titanfall 1. Titanfall 1 followed more traditional uh, map pack releases. Uh, And with this, we really wanted to switch things up where we didn't want to separate the uh, community at all. We didn't want to sort of have the haves and the have-nots. We basically, the idea being uh, anything that affected gameplay, any new maps, any new modes, um, any new weapons that were released in the game, that would be free for everybody. If you bought Titanfall 2, you're already signed up for all the rest of the DLC that we're going to read be released. And then uh, we started doing cosmetic items and things like Prime Titans uh, and weapon skins and new camel packs and things like that. And those are the things that you could opt to buy, uh, those strictly being cosmetic only. Um, and so that's worked out really well for us. I mean, there's a lot of really new things for us to kind of attack. Uh, we'd never done sort of monthly drops before or even just doing live service for a game in this sort of uh, way. We're a very small studio compared to a lot of the big AAA developers that we get compared to. And so I think there were a lot of challenges and a lot of just learnings that we got from it. But, um, you know, looking back on it, man, I'm super proud of the team. We just did a lot of really cool stuff in the game. I thought we did some great quality of life updates to it. Um, You know, since releasing our Monarch update, which was DLC 5, where we brought in a brand new Titan. And then going into, you know, this last release last week, which was Frontier Defense, uh, we saw nearly an 11% uh, increase in overall player count month over month. Um, which is remarkable to see uh, from an industry standard as far as, um, you know, being eight, nine months after launch to still see that much engagement happening. So our player counts have always held very strong. We've always been seeing new players coming in. Uh, Word of mouth for the game has always been really great. And so, uh, you know, we've maintained a really sort of healthy kind of consistent curve uh, over the launch of the game. And just this last week, you know, the numbers are still really early. But, you know, when we were looking at the first couple days of Frontier Defense, uh, week over week, we saw a two-time player increase on console and then a three-time player increase on PC. Uh, So just a really great response. I think, you know, community's been, uh, you know, on us for since launch for frontier defense. Uh, and it's really been tough not to be able to talk about it the whole time. That's one of the hardest parts about the job is not being able to talk about the cool stuff that's happening. But, um, our initial response to it has been really, really strong. Um, and so frontier yeah, defense is the, is the co-op sort of horde mode wave of enemies coming at you with friends, uh, defending, uh, you know, it, it, it's that's, it was in Titanfall one and now it's finally in Titanfall two with this DLC update, right? Yeah, and it's kind of bigger and better than ever. You know, Titanfall 1's um, Frontier Defense was uh, more of a like a prototype. 
um, that the guys wanted to to ship out. And you know, to, to, the Frontier Defense for Titanfall Two is very much built from the ground up, and so there's an all new progression system in it for Titans, where these Titans can unlock uh, all new skills and kind of make them OP, so you can handle the really difficult modes. We have multiple difficulty levels. There's an armory now uh, in between the waves where you can go buy stuff. Uh, a brand new uh, faction with Davis and Droves, who are characters from the single player uh, that are guiding you through it. So there's a lot of nice little twists in there um, that have been added. Just I'm super proud of the team. It's just it's a fun mode to grind on, and it's just fun to see uh, a lot of new players coming in. This community kind of finally getting what they've been asking for this year. It's super cool, man. It's a it's a great game. Uh, Christian and I were both big fans of it, and it's it's only getting better as you guys update stuff. Uh, I know you probably can't talk about the idea of a Titanfall three, but let me ask the question this way. Are, is respawn the, the Titanfall studio or do you guys want to have other franchises and projects? Uh, we are very much still Titanfall studio. Um, I'd say the only other stuff we have, we have two other things that are kind of going on um, internally. Um, we have a separate team being led by Stig uh, who's working on the star Wars game. Uh, that'll be a third person action game, right. um, yeah. which is, you know, plugging right along. We'll be talking about it for a little while, but I'm super excited for it. And uh, uh, another partnership we have with a company called Particle City with uh, Vince Ampella, our our CEO. He has a uh, part ownership in that. They're working on a Titanfall Assault mobile game, uh, which has actually turned out really good. That's going to be launching uh, pretty soon. So we've just started talking about that. But it's a it's a it's a free to play um, real time strategy game that carries over a lot of the Titans burn cards pilots and stuff like that. Uh, feels pretty authentic the experience. It's fun playing Titanfall in a more strategy isometric view. It's got a lot of the maps from Titanfall one and Titanfall two in there. Um, so just uh, that's something we've just started like talking about and going to be releasing soon. I've been playing it a bunch. Uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks with the early builds and uh, super proud of the team. It turned out really great. Awesome. Well, if you need anyone to come in and like, you know, play test Star Wars, Jeff and I are available. Yes. We, we're good at signing NDAs. Um, really good at keeping them secret. You know, I just forgot that game was happening. That is so exciting. I forgot you guys. That's a wow, man. What a great, great group of people to be working on that IP. I'm excited. Yeah, Stig's done, uh, built a great team for that. You know, they're still we're, we're still growing. I think right now, um, if anybody out there who is looking to uh, looking for a job, we have like fifty open positions right now between uh, Titanfall and Star Wars. So, do I um, need a skill set? Yeah, I was gonna say I'm uh, in. Uh, yeah. more awesome. Uh, this is awesome. Like, you I can guys, do that I, all day. That, that's actually that would be perfect. I'm building out my community team in the next year, guys. So I think you hey. two will be uh, right up there on my list. I'm, I, I walk into a is- room. Holy crap! When can I talk about this? What did I just say? And then I just go into the next <laughs> room. When, when this inevitably falls apart because we have no sponsor today, I'm going to be applying for that job. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'll make sure I'll send you guys over the careers page today before uh, the episode ends. Very helpful. Thank you very much. I'll put in a good word. No worries. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on now to uh, start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Why not head over to our subreddit, Discuss stories, suggest stories for us to talk about, and talk about the episodes as they come out with a great group of people over there. You can find our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. We got um, – it's not a huge week of news, but man, there's so much to talk about in today's episode because like 
There's a thousand games we've all been playing. Lots of really cool things. But, Jay, you are our guest, so you do get first pick of stories. Which would you consider to be Ooh. your story of the week? Um, there's some good there's some good stuff here. Uh, honestly, I would you know what I I kind of want to talk about the Nintendo Switch uh, doing as well as it has. I think that's been I'm really happy for Nintendo to kind of be making a return to form this year. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that because they've, okay. been, they've been kicking butt in 2017. Indeed, they have. Uh, Nintendo came out with a financial report this week, and they noted that the Nintendo Switch has sold 4.7 million units so far. Uh, that's worldwide, I believe, and uh, that exceeds expectations. That exceeds their target, and they uh, they expect to hit their 10 million uh, goal by the end of uh, this year, which is pretty cool. Uh, or excuse me, by uh, by March of 2018 is when they're hoping to hit 10 million. And uh, by contrast, the the Wii U uh, sold much fewer than that, 13.56 million co- consoles in its entire lifespan, uh, 2012 through 2016. So uh, Switch is doing much, much better than Wii U. I think we all sort of felt that anecdotally, but it's good to hit, get some hard numbers and see that's the case. Also, uh, Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe both have sold uh, almost 4 million copies, uh, 3.9 for Zelda, 3.5 for Mario Kart 8. And ARMS, which launched in June, has already moved uh, over a million copies. So ARMS is selling really, really well, too. Sounds like Nintendo's first-party stuff is is moving, as you would expect. Um, their, their stock price went up as a, rep- as a result of this report. And also buried in this report is some expectation of what we can expect over the next year or so. There's talk of that Pokemon RPG, which a lot of people are excited about, that I think a lot of people were um, speculating would just be a port of Pokemon Sun and Moon, but it sounds like it's not. It sounds like it's a much more robust game. They say it will come at the earliest in 2018, but maybe later, so there's going to be some wait for that game. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is listed as Holiday 2017. Uh, Metroid Prime 4, which we saw announced at E3, has TBD. So they're not even willing to say a year, uh, which leads me to believe it's it's a long way off. I thought that was the subtitle, Metroid Prime for the TV. turbulent bad <laughs> dude or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the official slate for next year of announced stuff so far, a Fire Emblem game, a Kirby game, a new Yoshi game, and maybe Pokemon RPG. Although if I had to bet, I would say it's later than 2018. So, Jay, what is your response? Obviously, you said you're excited that the Switch is doing well. Do you own a Switch? Are you on that bandwagon? Uh, you know what? I don't. Um, I initially was uh, – I was in the camp where uh, I was like, man, Zelda looks incredible. Uh, but, man, I just I just don't think I'm going to buy a console for one game. And I got lucky where a bunch of folks in the studio were starting to get their Switches. Um, our, our admin, our amazing admin team, cause I have to shout them out cause they're just incredible. Cause they do stuff like this. They were even providing real time updates to the studios for, by calling all the stores in the Valley, uh, wow. to let them know which targets or toys or us or whatever ones had them available. Cause everybody was really scrambling to get their hands on one. Um, especially when the Zelda reviews started dropping. Yeah. Um, and so one of my coworkers was kind enough after he had put like 120 hours or something like that into Zelda, he let me borrow his switch for about two months. Um, wow. And I got to spend a lot of quality time with Zelda and mess around with it. And I'll be honest, I really miss the hardware. Um, 
I love the pro controller. I love the the tech and portability of it. Like it's just, it feels like sort of the initial kind of vision that Nintendo kind of started with the Wii. Um, this feels like sort of the culmination of all those ideas kind of really coming together. Uh, I yeah. think it being executed well. And so I'm just happy to, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want the console now really bad because a lot of folks are playing Splatoon in the office right now. They're playing ARMS. I'm hearing a lot of good things. I mean, Mario Kart, I know Mario Kart's awesome. Um, I don't need to be uh, told about that. It was really incredible reading this news story, though, to put in perspective how much better the Switch is doing compared to Wii U um, yeah. over the period of time. like you're, you're totally right. Having those hard numbers together, just really, man. Um, so I'm just excited that we've seen a lot of quality content from those guys so quickly, really in the first year, which I think we've kind of missed uh, in the last couple uh, Nintendo consoles. I got to play Odyssey over um, at E3, um, and I thought it was great. And so I'm super excited for the next Mario game. Uh, yeah, as well. I mean, so. there's that. I think we all are. I mean, I think we're excited for that. We got a, a Zelda. We got a Mario Kart. We got a, uh, a, a you know this this actual mainline Mario game all coming out. And then what? Right? I mean, I guess you know you can be excited for Pokemon and Metroid on the Metroid distant horizon. TV, man. Right? Yeah, distant horizon for Metroid. But uh, I'm I'm a little concerned. Maybe you know, obviously they're going to hold some stuff closer to the vest, and there'll be bigger announcements that aren't just going to leak out in their financials. But what other bullets do they have in the chamber? Is there a Donkey Kong game? Maybe I guess. But what? I mean, there's a Mario Kart already out. There's uh, I guess a Smash Brothers port. Maybe at some point we'll hear about. We thought might happen at E3, didn't. Um, but what what else would you want to see on that system? Uh, that would make you really excited for for what's next. I mean, I'd always love Nintendo to keep dabbling with new IPs. You know, I think Splatoon, you know, being introduced with Wii U, I think was a really cool addition to their sort of portfolio of stuff. Uh, Arms is a really cool game too. Um, it makes you know one of the things Nintendo does well is just you know utilize the hardware really well in interesting ways. So I think that's great. But I mean, this is the problem Nintendo's always had, and I think it's going to you know be another challenge for them. Uh, when we get out of the honeymoon stage of the switch, which I think we're all in right now um, is uh, third party support and just yeah. seeing, you know, good third party games on there as well. I mean, the switch is cheaper than the other consoles and it probably always will be. So if they have a tremendous amount of good first party support, then, you know, maybe that's just that, that continues to be Nintendo's MO where it's like, you know, you buy a Nintendo console for the Nintendo games. Um like, what was it back in the day? It was the, the Wii 360. That was the combo. Right. That, yeah. uh, they were saying, like, if you wanted all the all the best games, that was the that was the way to go. That might still be the case. Maybe Nintendo knows they're just not going to, you know, be able to really compete with parity with a lot of third-party stuff and focus on the first party. And it doesn't um, seem to be hurting them based on this financial report. So, you know, maybe it's yeah, a solid strategy this time. They're doing all right. I mean, they've always been smart about it. You know, their, their hardware is usually isn't sold at much of a loss. Um, their software always sells really well. Um, so I think they got a good system down for better or worse. Like I said, I would love to see third party stuff on there as well. Yeah. Um, other Nintendo stuff that I would love to see, I would love to see like a really like awesome Star Fox game. Mm. Well, I don't think I'm that's going to happen anytime soon because that last Star Fox game was a stinker. Oh, it was. It was, it was a bummer. That was definitely, definitely a bummer. Um, I think just because I miss the genre. I've been playing Everspace recently, and it's kind of made me think about that, where I do miss the, yeah. the sort of flying spaceship uh, stuff. And, you know, the Star Fox on N64 was just such a cool game. Um, Christian, what, what's your take on this? Uh, I think it's great. Um, I think I might have said that I, you know, I haven't 
a prediction or a statement that the Switch wouldn't be much better than the Wii U in terms of overall sales. And it, I was clearly wrong with that. I think launching... Stradamus with a strike! That's okay. We get three of them. Adding um, average has been so good this year. Yeah, I don't remember when I made that one. Hopefully it was longer ago. Um, I feel like launching with a huge game and a great game goes a, a really long way. And also, we can talk about this later in what we're playing also, but... um the the console is just so much more enjoyable to play which and you know i'm playing a lot of splatoon 2 and i just i have splatoon 1 and the amount of time i spent on that just something about the wii the wii u was just not good like holding the tablet controller just kind of everything about it felt clunky and and not fun to use and the switch rectifies a lot of those a lot of those problems so i think you know it's clear they have a hit on their hands i agree with both of you that you know what? How 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 quickly can they keep pumping out this incredible first party content? But why speculate on potential doom? They're doing great right now. It looks like they have a great 2018 coming up as well. And then you know I could see a Titanfall uh, with uh, you know cell shading graphics to get it on the system, and you're kind of just doing like a mech assault. I'd love that. Um, what else could I throw out? A Star get Wars out game on there with lightsabers with the Joy Cons. I could see that. Uh, what else can I throw out? Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's going to continue to be a hit. I also think for um, like the younger set for kids or whatever, it has Minecraft on it. And when I was growing up, I, I wasn't getting a hundred games a year when I was ten years old. Right? You had three games and you and your friends played those all the time so kids have a a tablet most likely or an iphone for stuff they have minecraft on everything and then they have mario kart splatoon or whatever on their switch and i think that's that's plenty right i think that's one of the explanations for the crazy high numbers of the software you know arm sells a million because it's all focused on arms like that's the big release of this period so there's not really much else competing with it there's a lot of you know indie ports and that's cool but I, arms comes out on you know the exact same game comes out on xbox or playstation or pc i don't think it sells a million because people aren't excited to play that game other than the fact that they want to do something cool on their switch and that's my opinion but i think that that's probably the case well, i think that goes a long way i mean look at october for the other two consoles right so october is shadow of war gran turismo sport south park super Mar- uh, super mario sorry wolfenstein 2 and then Battlefront right on the heels of that in November and Destiny 2 right before that in September. So if you have one of the other consoles, it's like you're not buying all of those. Right? You know, you can't yeah. do it. But Nintendo well, very much has had this event gaming of this is the one. Go buy it. Well, that leads me to a question I've been wanting to ask. And I don't know how directly you can speak to this, Jay. But, you know, we were such champions of Titanfall 2 last year. And we kept saying everybody's got to play it. Everybody's got to play it. It's the best of the first-person shooters of 2016. And it came out sandwiched between Call of Duty and Battlefield. Did you guys – was there any regret about the release window internally? Or can you even speak to that? No, I don't think so. I mean, we were really proud of the game. We knew what we had was uh, a really great title. Like, we were comp- really confident in shipping it, you know, and I know Vince was too. Um, 
and it's hard to say because, you know, a lot of people would say like, oh, if you released in March, you know, things have been more quiet. I'm like, March wasn't quiet at all. <laughs> yeah, there's no quiet anymore. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't a quiet. T- I would get the same thing when I'm doing DLC launches and, you know, we'll become something coming out. And I, I had done a post to a community member because he was like um, this such and such game. I can't remember what it was. They're like, they're having their open beta this weekend. And I was like, well, don't forget, you know, Zelda came out last week as well as Mass Effect Andromeda. And then there's this and this and this coming out. And I'm like, I'm not even touching the mobile games or. So I think we're we're in a we're in a, a landscape now where it's just you know it's not like there's the fall and that's the noisy time and then the rest of the year is kind of chill it's like you know pretty much all year you have really awesome stuff coming out plus most of these games are providing you know long tail live service and so they've got their own DLC beats and cool new stuff that's coming out for them so I don't know if there really is a quiet time or sort of a safe period um, that to go release it you know it, it's it's one of those things where in hindsight it's hard to really say for sure um you know regardless the game did really well um and um like i said we still scored really high i mean like i said it's really flattering that we get even put in the same category uh as games like battlefield and call of duty because you know those are studios that are much bigger than uh respawn is you know one of the things i love about the studio is they run really lean um in comparison and so we're 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 closer to like an indie developer than we really are you know we're an indie developer that makes triple a games that's essentially what we are uh which is really cool so um no i'd say no regrets we're like i said we're really proud and kind of happy where we landed with titanfall 2 awesome uh christian what's your story of the week I mean, the Nintendo financials are are the the biggest story. It's not on here, and I can I can talk about it later. But my my story of the week, and I want to get Jay's insight on this as well. And Jeff, I think I know where you stand, but I'm a I'm a man of a certain age. Hashtag that show got canceled too quickly. It was a good show. Um, I have found that I have am really drawn back into retro gaming, the gaming of my youth, the 16 bit era. Um, in a, in a really big way, in a, I'm paying too much for carts on eBay, trying to salvage my childhood type of way. And Nintendo, you know, is obviously hitting on this with the NES Mini and Super NES Mini hashtag. My Walmart pre-order got canceled. Um, and I'm curious as for of, both of you gentlemen, of this week, it's, it's, I want to have popularity on Instagram. I got to have my hashtag content be hashtag discoverable. Your SEO is going to be so good after this. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I say is in the show description. It's pretty great. Um, and so Jay, I'm curious, like for you personally, and then, you know, being in games, as long as you have, to what extent are you, do you get excited about retro stuff or is it looking forward and how you can progress the medium or are you looking back at where I am right now at some of these brawlers or games that haven't been touched in a while and thinking, is it time for this? Are we hitting that renaissance of, you know, we're all that age now where we look back at that and we're like, yeah, the nineties were cool or is it keep pushing? Just before you answer that, I just want to say that your story of the week is you bought a retro game. That's the that's the biggest story of your week is I Christian yes. Spicer no, I the, bought the biggest story of the week was Nintendo financials. Right. Uh, I looked around to that other... across the entire week was I bought something hashtag Christian Spicer. I got Rygar at a garage sale. <laughs> Christian bought uh, Christian bought Punisher on Genesis this week, and he won't yeah. stop sending me text uh-huh. messages about it. 
Uh huh. I, yeah, I, I I looked at what we had in the show doc. I also looked at other stories going around. And yes, me buying Punisher on Genesis for a very good condition, authentic cart at the price I paid is I, by far bigger than Metroid Samus Return content being locked behind Amiibo. We're talking about I a really game enjoyed, that's still two months away from release. I enjoyed reading about you buying Punisher on Kotaku and Polygon this week. It was crazy. I sent it to them as tips. They just didn't publish it. Crazy headlines this week. Anyway, go ahead and answer christian's question jay oh my goodness um so man it's a tough one to answer in that you know for me personally i think i'm always still inspired by um by the games of my youth and uh growing up those will always have a special place i was actually just talking uh about this sort of with uh one of my one of the guys i share an office with at the studio in that um I think one of the things that I'm hearing come up a lot that I feel games are trying to find again is that sense of sort of mystery and discovery. Um, and when they talk about that, they often refer to it calling back to the older retro games. And when I was talking to somebody about it, one of the things, you know, because he's got kids that are playing games now, and I was talking about how we had to use our imagination so much more um, because when you're looking at little 8-bit retro graphics like to put yourself in that world you have to sort of like there's a lot more mystery there because you're not dealing with the super high fidelity the game's not explaining every little thing to you and so um you know one of the things i've seen kind of happen and get popular are the games that are a bit more like zelda does this really well you know where it's not like we're gonna have waypoint markers and you know crazy stuff pointing you everywhere it's about like you sort of discovering the game on your own um and that's something i definitely like always go back to with some of the older games that i just loved playing uh growing up rygar that's why i brought up that one being one of them um and so you know i think it's a combination of both i was thinking how do you push the medium forward because i do think the medium is still only kind of scratched the surface of what it's capable of doing whether that's through gameplay storytelling or um just player agency but also um not losing kind of what i think what made games magical for us um originally and i do think it was that sense of discovery that sense of mystery that sense of what's around that corner uh where does that path go uh, i think it was just feeling. gaming pre-internet is what that is you know? That too. That's totally true. Yeah. Where it's like you didn't have, you know, 800 Twitter discussions and yeah. 400 everything else po- stories it. posting about how to find the Master Sword in Breath of the Wild and, oh, the, you know, 14 places that you haven't seen in whatever, you know, it's. it's but there's still discover. I think. Yes, while the internet kind of, you know, is the strategy guide for every game now, there still is that discoverability because you're having articles or gifts even shared of things in Zelda like, here's a way you can beat this shrine. You know, take your Switch upside down, put it outside on an 80-degree day, put one Joy-Con in your back pocket, and then jump 10 times. You're like, it works! Yeah. Um, and you watch that, but someone still discovered it and and did that versus, you know, games I love, Far Cry 3, Far Cry 4, where it's climb to the tower and your map is like, and you're like, everything you need to do is 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 sit there and ping well, for I, you. I also think that the 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 thing that the industry kind of has responded or game developers have responded to this movement with is games that just don't tell you anything. And I think there's quite a few of them. I I jumped into the uh, uh open beta or early access, uh, I think it's early access of uh, Citadel, the burning Sundering, burning, burn. I don't remember what it's called. Citadel. It's like a. It's like Ark, but with wizards. Uh, and I, I turned it on. I jumped into it, and it's like, here you go, game. 
There's 50 million systems that all interconnect and you need to know how it all works, but I'm not going to tell you just here you go. And there's a lot of games like that now where it's just like, throw you in. I hope you can swim. If you can't, here's the internet. Google's your friend, you know? Um, and I, I think people like that. I think that's the sort of manufactured discoverability of, okay, you want to play this? You need to research. <laughs> you need to learn. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Because you well, I think I feel- on the flip side of it, you got games like Inside or Bloodborne, right? That uh, it's a bit more like not so much you have to learn all these crazy mechanics, but putting you in sort of a mysterious space and the game not dealing with a lot of cutscenes or exposition or anything like that. You're kind of like, where is this? Like, what is going on here? Uh, and you sort of exploring the world kind of, you know, it's a combination of things you're discovering, but also kind of coming to your own conclusions. I loved going to message boards after I played both of those games, just to, not so much from a gameplay standpoint. I wanted to understand what other people thought. Like, what what did you think this was when you saw that in the game? Yeah. Uh, last thing, Jeff, quickly. I feel like you have a bunch of retro memorabilia around. Like you're a guy that doesn't throw away game boxes or, you it's know, true. console boxes. But I feel like you very seldomly dive into them. Like you don't hook up old consoles, leave them hooked up. Uh, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I There's a, a, a comment in the chat. I think a Nomad NP said, uh, it's cool to be into retro games like retro Zelda, but it's hard when there's a brand new Zelda sitting there for me to play. And that's kind of how I feel. I'm that new, newest, latest, best guy. Like I, I, I'm so there's so much cool stuff happening now that I tend to not go back. Uh, and and I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's the best way to behave. I kind of feel a little guilty about that sometimes, but it, it, it tends to be, I'm in the cult of the new, you know, I, I got a, I, that new shiny. Oh my God. What? I haven't tried that thing yet. Let me see what that's all about. And the thing that I have tried, like, I don't ever reread books because I feel like there are so many books I've never read. How could I ever devote time to rereading something I've already experienced? I got to find, I got to, I'll never read all the books that are good. So <laughs> I got to try the next one, you know? I have the same problem. I think it comes from my my press days, you know, where you'd be playing 45, 50 games a year. You're just always yeah. kind of moving on to the next thing to review. And I love games of all sorts of different sizes and shapes and genres. And so for me, I kind of feel the same way where it's like I'm, I'm if, if, for me to spend more than 20, 25 hours in a game is usually pretty impressive. Like because I'm always like, oh, what's that? What's that? So I, I, I have game ADD big time, too. Well, and before before you read your story, Jeff, I would like to say in the chat, Chicken Tenders thirty five did read my story on CNN, so it was out there. Someone finally published me getting a copy of Punisher on Genesis. But we all know that's <laughs> fake news, Christian. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to follow your lead, Christian, because you just trashed all the news that I compiled for the day, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of all of it. Then screw it. If Christian doesn't think it's good, we're not gonna talk about any of the news. If you want to hear me talk about all the news as it happens, you can listen to the newest, latest, best. Uh, every single day I talk about the news on newest, latest, best. You can find that on, on iTunes or Google Play. Just search for newest, latest, best. Uh, I will use my time here in this segment to talk about something I did this week, which is kind of news. It was on a lot of news sites. Uh, I got hands-on with uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy. And oh, Wolfenstein screw two you. Losses. That's how oh. we play. That's how I win, Christian. That's how All right. I win. Oh, um, man. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Lost Legacy. Are you talking about it now? I Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about it. Right, I, have, my I have a lot of stuff in what I've been playing. Yeah, so, I'm taking um, off my headphones. Text me when you're done. Bye. Okay. Christian doesn't want to hear me. <laughs>
No spoilers. He's going dark on. Uh, yeah, he's going dark on Lost Legacy. Chris is like an uber Uncharted fan, so uh, he doesn't Ooh, want to have okay. any spoilers. I played an I hour of it at this event. Uh, I I don't even know if I could spoil anything for him because like there's not really big story moments that they showed us. It was a the the coolest new bit um, in Uncharted Lost Legacy that I played was the fact that it's they've adopted sort of an open world element to uncharted uncharted very much linear as we all know um story based linear game but now there is at least one area i don't think the whole game is like this it's not exactly um zelda you know but there is at least one area and the area that i played which is a big open thing you have the jeep from uncharted 4 and you can drive around it and you can do a bunch of different uh temples or um objectives, I guess, but they're more deep than that. They're kind of longer excursions, but you can do them in any order you want. Oh, wow. And that's neat. You know, that's like a new kind of cool way to, to do a Uncharted game. Um, and the, the area is really large. The puzzles are really in-depth and interesting. And you're playing as, uh, you know, Chloe now. You're not playing as, as Nathan Drake. She's fun. She's wisecracking and, and a very different personality than Nathan. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but she has the exact same move set, right? She still has the the whip from uh, from Uncharted Four that you can use to swing on things. She can shoot guns. She can punch people. It's very much the same game uh, with a new skin, but the skin includes really cool characterization and um, dialogue, and and you know it really feels like a different character from a narrative point of view, just not from a mechanical gameplay point of view. And that's fine. You know, this was started out as DLC and it kind of grew into a much bigger thing, but it really is, you know, a, a full conversion mod for <laughs> Uncharted 4, basically. Um, but it's really neat. The, the idea of being able to explore this big world, there's a lot more hidden stuff than I think Uncharted usually has. I mean, they have those relics that you can find in all the Uncharted's, but I think that there are much more nooks and crannies in this open world approach uh, that reward being diligent and looking for stuff. And I love exploration. So I, I really dig that fact about it. And there was even a mechanic where you could find these little relics and then plug them into this map that you discover. I don't know what happens when you fill them all in. Cause I didn't have enough time to, to do all of it, but uh, it actually had some, some gameplay application rather than just, you know, finding pretty things that you can check out in your inventory. So that was neat. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited for this game. I, I, it, it looks and plays great as you would expect from Naughty Dog. And it, it is a gigantic new Uncharted game. It's not just d- DLC. Yeah. I mean, one, I don't know how they're shipping another one already. That just blows my mind. Um, cause yeah, I mean the production and polish that goes into their games, like it's not something that's slapped together. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, how are you guys doing that first? Um, uh, congratulations. Uh, that's really cool. Cause I mean, uh, I think uncharted four dabbled in that with like the Madagascar mission. Right. Um, so that's really cool that they're going a kind of hub and spoke open world style. That seems like a really natural fit for that franchise. And it's Nadine with you as well, right? Yeah, and it's cool. I mean, you know, you had the uh, Nate and his brother dynamic in Uncharted 4 and Nate and um, – oh gosh, what's her name? The girl from 3 and 2. Anyway, you've always had – and you've had Sully and you've had, you've had all these partners that you hang out with. But I feel like the Nadine Chloe relationship is more interesting because they're kind of adversarial. Like they, they uh, are bantering, but it's, they're not like old buddies. Like Nate is usually hanging around with. They're more like, um, 
fragile trust. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, a relationship based on opportunity and they could turn right. against each other at any time. And that's a really cool dynamic to be playing with in this series because they've never really done something like that before. I thought it was neat. And they're pretty different personalities too, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Chloe's more like, you know, the, it's, it's sort of like the, the cops and robbers like getting together, you know, Nadine's, you know, mercenary military background. Chloe's very much like Drake, you know, a bit more sort of a treasure hunter, you know, living outside the law kind of thing. Well, she, I think she's even farther that edge. If you want to map her on the, you know, D and D morality scale, she's more chaotic good than even Drake is where she'll, uh, you know, she doesn't even have his morality. She has a pure uh, mercenary doing it for the money thing going on, which is pretty cool. Um, it's fun. Yeah. And I, and I really dug the hour that I spent with it. It's clearly going to be one of the best games at the end of the year. And I'm, I'm excited to get more Uncharted. And it really does feel like more Uncharted, which, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Awesome. Well, it's something to look forward to. And it's going to be it's uh it's going to be cheaper when it comes out too, isn't it? It's going to be a lower price point. Yeah, I think it's only 40, I believe. Um sold. Yeah, yeah, so it's take it. it's good. Uh, I also got to uh, back baby. On, I also got hands on with Wolfenstein 2, the new Oh, crap. <laughs> you don't care about that one. Um I do. I do. I love it, but I've also played a bunch of it. Dude, it's hard. I died a lot. Did you play the uh, not original, you know what I mean. The yeah. old, uh, the the current new ones. Yeah, those I, also are hard. Uh, yes, I don't remember. I don't remember dying as much as I. And at E three, I played the hands on that I got this week was two levels. The first level was the same E three level that I talked about with being in a wheelchair at the begin, very beginning of the game. And at E uh-huh. three, I was like a machine mowing dudes down, being awesome. And when I just played it last week, I was getting my butt handed to me, which was weird. And then the second level that I played, which was the new stuff. Uh, that I hadn't played before was this uh, level that takes place in New Mexico. And it's that iconic image that you saw in the trailer of like Main Street USA um, that has been converted into Nazi and Ku Klux Klan craziness. And that stuff was nuts. Like just seeing it and walking around, you can like walk around and see this carnival that's happening. That's all like celebrating the Nazis. That iconography is crazy and very evocative. Um and then from there, you like take this train to try to get to area 52, I think they're going to, to try to get some cool stuff. And the whole level I played was on this train, this Nazi war train that you're trying to infiltrate. There were a lot of secret passages and hidden areas to try to stealthily kill dudes or, or just avoid dudes altogether. Or you could just run down the middle of the train trying to kill everybody. Either way, man, I just died over and over and over. And I wasn't able to ever get above 50 health. Like he's injured, I guess. Mm. I don't know if it was a glitch in the build I played or what, but even when you pick up health packs above 50, you just dwindle back down to 50. So I was getting my butt kicked. I I bet, I mean, that he starts the game very beat up, right? Yeah, because um, of the so end I, of the last game. Right. I could see, I, I'm pretty sure that you recover. You know, they, they give some hints about things as that game goes on. Um, I play those games on easy and I am... Not too proud to admit it. <laughs> well, I played on normal for, for, for both of the events that I've played it on. And I might play it on easy because it was a little uh, frustrating. And, you know, everybody just says get good. But, man, I was, I was getting a little frustrated. But anyway. Yeah, I don't – when I'm playing through, like, the single-player content for stuff, I'm not looking for, like, a tremendous amount of combat challenge, depending on the kind of game that I'm playing, right? Yeah. Um, I even found myself doing that with Uncharted 4. I was like, you know what? Let's just try playing this on easy mode. Uh, for the combat stuff and you know part of me was like man like 
walk of shame kind of feeling. Totally. But I was like, you know what? I'm having a good time though. Yeah. That's how those games are meant to be played. I agree. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't really want to play a game that's uh, especially something that's like Wolfenstein. That's very, has a lot of like set pieces and scripted moments to it, where if I have to repeat something over a lot of times, I'm just going to get kind of taken out of that world and taken out of the game. Like I feel like a lot of that stuff is meant to be played through kind of once Yeah. uh, for some of these crazy cinematic experiences. Then you move on. If I have to die to sequence 12 times because I just need to get good. Then you know that's just that, that's going to lose its impact for me, and I'm going to be less into it as I'm going into the next sort of level or whatever. I totally agree with that walk of shame feeling, though. I have that. If it wasn't called easy, and Wolfenstein's even worse because when you select the difficulty, it has a picture of BJ Blazkowicz, and he changes his expression based on the difficulty level you select. And if you select easy, he literally is wearing a baby hat and rattle and like and like wow. pacifier, like you're a baby wow. baby person. So you know, I have a hard time doing that just getting over that hump of my own ego i guess well you want a little bit of a challenge you don't don't want to be able just to you know literally walk down main street and just be uh you know luke cage right it's like bing 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 like bullets bouncing off of you as you as you go through and slaughter all the bad guys you want to be able to flank and use a little bit of the strategy in it um i'm saying this partly because jay's on the show and partly because it's 100 percent true the balance i don't know if it was just me and i was good or not but there is that level in titanfall 2 where you are wall running and jumping around and getting whatever it is like the ground is radiation or whatever and i remember starting that level and thinking oh crap i'm gonna be here Oh, I'm not going to. And I pulled it off my first time and it was that exact perfect balance of like, oh, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. Did it. And like you want every experience to be that you feel like you're on the edge of your seat and that you're constantly approaching a fail state. But then you always eke it out. Another great example that we've talked about a lot on this show, Jeff, is inside when those yeah. dogs start coming at you and you're yeah. like, oh, they're definitely going to get me there. Def- I got away. Woo-hoo! But that and is a game that. where you learn by dying for sure. But you want that. You always yeah. want to feel like you're going, you, you could die, but then never do. And whatever that difficulty is for you, pick that difficulty. Don't look back. I don't care if, uh, 343 tells me or Bungie told me that the Halo was meant to be played on heroic. Not by this Master Chief. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Do it. Do it feels what feels right for you. And don't worry about what other people think, everybody. All right, let's move on now to, uh, I know that was a game I have been playing, but now let's, there's lots of games to talk about. So let's move on oh to goodness. games we've yeah. actually been playing with the playlist. I should mention also that, you know, if you want to hear me talk actually to the game director of uncharted lost legacy i have an interview on newest latest best with kurt magano uh so uh, you That'll should check bonus that out. content on the end of this episode mm. uh no i'm gonna keep it as a newest latest best so people listen to that show yay another show to, to check out uh check out newest latest best anchor.fm slash nlb but in order to listen to that episode you have to listen to the podcast version which is on itunes and google play music okay jay other than titanfall 2 yes what you've been playing uh, so most recently, I've had this on my list actually for a minute, and I've been kind of laid out sick for the last few days. So I was looking for something to play that wasn't going to be um, uh, <laughs> like really intense or super highly interactive. Uh, something you know you could be on painkillers or just you know kind of wiped out and sit, and sit back and still enjoy. Uh, so I've been playing What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, it's uh, that's one of my favorite games of the year. I love. Uh, I'm pretty blown away by it. I totally agree with you. I love the genre, so I was already kind of like into it to begin with. Uh, but I think this is, yeah, one of the best executions 
of this um, sort of exploratory storytelling. Um, I don't want to spoil too much of it because I think that's part of the – I'm really glad that I didn't watch a lot of trailers or read too much into it. Uh, But I was very pleasantly surprised at the sort of vignettes of um, how you're getting introduced and learning about other family members. Um, It's similar to Gone Home in that you're exploring uh, a home uh, and learning the story behind the family uh, through that exploration. But yeah, just the – I really love games that do the little things really well, uh, whether it's just, you know, the animation of a character interacting with something. Um, it's a game that doesn't have a lot of UI prompts. Um, it's all very subtle and everything just kind of works the way you kind of expect it to do. Um, uh, it's a beautiful game. I'm, I'm, I think I've gotten through most of the family members on the family tree. It's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, highly, highly recommend it. Just been a really great game. It's beautiful. It's emotional. You go for a ride. I think it is has wonderful things to say on a meta level about gaming. Mm-hmm. It is – one of the things that you talk about, those little things that it does so well, I loved its world building. I loved how that house really feels – real. It doesn't feel like a video game level. It feels like stuff is in that house because people did stuff there and it wasn't just set decor for, a, you know, for me to rush through my video game and get through it. It, it, it feels more organic than that. And I think that's a real accomplishment in a video game. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just shout out to the artists and their environment teams uh, that worked on there. Cause you're right. There's lots of just rooms and things to look at and everything does. It feels totally lived in. It's fun to just look at all the little details um, that were there. Just, yeah, tons of attention paid, uh, paid to the world, which was just beautifully done. I, I, I just want to underscore again, what Jay is saying and what I said a long time ago, if you're a gamer, you owe it to yourself to play this. It is not going to challenge you it is not going to it's not a twitch game it's not about your skills but it is an expression of the interactive media that it medium that is uh, absolutely beautiful and i think you should play it yeah I, I feel bad for anybody missing out on this one this is definitely going to be a standout one for me this year and this has been a great year for games so far so yeah. um sure. and it's also you know I, I moved down here from washington and uh it's definitely made me homesick uh, oh wow yeah well. I that in Washington and, you know, I, I love my Pacific Northwest and uh, it was difficult to leave there. So yeah, playing a game that's kind of set out in the, in the woods of Orca Island, I was like, Oh, Oh, some good times. What else is on your playlist? Uh, most recently too, I've been dabbling in Everspace. I've been watching some streams for that. This is a, like a roguelike, um, sci-fi spaceship shooter game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I was watching some people play it, and it's sort of like you, you start with a ship that essentially doesn't have much at all. And it's got a whole progression system and crafting and leveling up and building up your ship. And you'll start warping into these areas where they're just – you're free to explore them. And they'll have all sorts of different things there that you can loot or find. And you're trying to basically just get as far as you can. You're warping to new points and kind of making your way down the map. If the the catch is, is like a roguelike, if I do die, um, you are reset all the way back to the beginning. Uh, Your ship is still – progression is still intact. Um, but you're essentially trying to keep building yourself up so you can make it a little bit further, a little bit further. It's very pretty. Um, it's got great sort of, it's a great like chill game that's mixed with sort of like some really good combat action. Uh, that's to it. I love sci-fi space stuff anyways. So, uh, for me, it's kind of scratching that itch. And I also kind of did it because you could play it in VR. Um, and so I'm just kind of grabbing all the VR stuff that I can possibly grab at any time. And so, um, uh, that was, that's been really cool to play. I'd never... 
I hadn't played a, a game like that in VR where you're in the cockpit of a ship and flying around. So that was kind of a, a new experience, which was really cool too. Uh, not terribly far into it, but it's definitely very interesting, uh, but difficult. Like I said, if you enjoy the roguelike genre uh, of games, there's a lot of fun stuff to dig into for that. And awesome. uh, lastly, Nier. I've I got to go back to it. I took a break from it. Uh, but that's another game that I think is pretty, pretty rad, both from storytelling, world building. Um, it's a game that feels really good from a combat perspective. I like that genre, too. I kind of miss the Devil May Cry, you know, Bayonetta-style games. And so that sort of scratches that itch for me there, too. I have been playing Nier uh, Automata as well. And um, I have to admit, as much as I want to get through that game and everybody says, oh, you got to get all the endings and it's it's one of the best games of the year. In contrast to... A lot of things I say on this show, which is how much I love open world RPGs, I feel like I it was enjoying this game much more when it was not open. I feel like once it got open, I kind of lost my thread of excitement. I was really digging it. And then at a certain point, not too far into it, it just opens up and you have this big open world. And I was like, oh, I'm a little bored now. I hate using that word, but I, I felt a little just lost and uh other shiny things came along and pulled my attention away and i haven't gone back and i know i should because everybody says it's amazing but just the sort of openness of it i just fell off a cliff and i loved i loved when it was just leading me down a path and i was doing all the great combat and seeing the crazy characters and the and the cool story but i don't know mainline it there's and my you know not i haven't done every ending myself but the side quests that i played kind of don't offer tons and i think especially for your first playthrough you can just you can just mainline the the game all right yeah i agree with that uh that's that's where i started to enjoy it a little bit less as well i was was a little disappointed first i was intrigued by it doing open world and i think i had the the moment where you come across across the amusement park um Uh, that was kind of a moment for me i was like whoa this is pretty cool you know i went down to a sewer and you're coming up here and like what is this place but uh i think the standard has been set really high after playing you know amazing open world games like zelda like horizon uh this year um we've come to expect a lot for it so i agree it's probably the weaker aspect of near for me is the open world stuff um so i'm kind of treating it the same way felt a little empty the open world it felt just barren but uh Christian, how about you? What's on your playlist? Uh, so one thing that I, I'm going to mention, I can't talk about it now, but I will have a video review go live at 1201 uh, on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713 and you and I will be talking about it, I'm assuming, pretty in-depth next week. Um, but we can't talk about it today. Uh, but I did do a video review, and that goes up at 1201, Tuesday morning, technically. Are you say what it is? I, I, I think I can say what it is, right? Yeah, you can say what it is. It's Tacoma, the Fulbright Games Ooh. new game studio from Gone Home. Yeah, yeah, Christian, and I, Christian and I have both played through that game. I actually want to – I'm hoping maybe you'll uh, do an NLB with me and we can talk about it a little bit too. Um, yeah, so we I'd love put to. put that up earlier. But yeah, it comes out – or game comes out on Wednesday? Yeah, it's like two days from now, right? Yeah, but uh, it's embargoed until tomorrow. So – it's always a problem when things... 1201 midnight, not 1201 right now. As it's literally 1201 in the afternoon. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a bummer when games when stuff is embargoed till Tuesday because we record on Monday and it's like ah that was the kind of the case with Uncharted as well. It was it was embargoed yeah. till Tuesday, so it's a bummer. 
try to see if we can get impressions and they were like, yeah, let's just keep it. So we'll hit, I'll do an NLB with you. We'll hit it in depth next week. And then I ha- I recorded a full, I think it's like 10 minutes like that. My video review will go at Christian Spicer, the numbers seven, one, three. So I've been, I spent a decent amount of time with that. Then I, I realized as I <laughs> listened back to last week's show, Oh, I hadn't played tons of it. All I did is crap on the Nintendo Switch online app, which is still awful. And I didn't talk about Splatoon 2 at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is the game that I was using that for uh, or trying to use it for. So this app is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I totally, I talked about it at the beginning and then when we got to the playlist. I didn't have it on my list and I just kept going. Um, <laughs> Splatoon 2 is incredible. It's uh, as someone that was kind of sour on arms and I thought it was kind of bland and limited and I think kind of based on what you can do maybe in a fighting game, eh, but Injustice 2 proves that wrong. Um, Splatoon 2 is – it does so much right. And while Splatoon 1 was incredible, I, I think it is just I didn't enjoy playing on my Wii U as much for some reason. I find myself just picking up my Switch and like if I'm home with the girls and they're taking a nap – I just take it out of the dock. I don't know why, but I play it in handheld mode and run through a couple of games here and there. The single player stuff is really creative. What it feels like to me is somewhere someone at Nintendo was like, we were on to something with Super Mario Sunshine. Like that game didn't age well, but something about this water splatting, splashing mechanic, and especially that that game's, the single player Splatoon 2 feels like a an up really well updated hybrid of Mario Sunshine using like your water jetpack and stuff like that crossed with the secret levels that you often find in those 3D Mario games that are like creative platforming and stuff. And you really get to do some, they're all kind of one-off little levels um, that often end with a boss battle after you complete enough of them. And they're really cool, creative things that use all of the tools in that game where, you know, you can fall through great. So you can't, you know, squid run through this part of the level. You have to jump and do whatever, but then you need to be in squid form to get through this next gate. You got to paint it with ink to then hover around and do this. And that single player content, I find more engaging than I did in the first game. And I also feel like I haven't done any research to see if it's true. I feel like you're getting more meaningful unlockables uh, at a more regular basis, which is scratching that, you know, classic Diablo itch or Overwatch or loot box kind of thing. And it, it it affects the gameplay in cool ways as you change your outfits. But also, it doesn't ever make it feel totally OP that if I go in and play online, um, I'm just getting owned because the point of, you know, online is to paint the map. So it's been a game that even my daughter has enjoyed playing online because she's being productive. We're not playing ranked matches, but you're not missing headshots you're shooting a wall (laughs) you know like it's the thing that i usually do in first person shooter games anyway i miss the person and shoot the wall (laughs) (laughs) now it's an asset yeah it's now i'm uh, i'm great uh online the app is still awful i ended up you can just join if you have a friend on you can join them so i ended up playing uh with a friend and a couple of other um comedians that just happened to be on and we had a game that i think is archived on my twitch which is just christian spicer um that stream and it's i was not no not to brag but i was first on my team every game i played that night um and jeff i i will loan you my cart if you i i think this game is really worth checking out i think the first game you know it got a lot of hype and it did really well but people were kind of sick of their we use already and now with the switch being the powerhouse that it is 
um, I find myself, it's either this or Overwatch are my, I have, you know, 12 minutes, let me dive into a game. And the multiplayer modes or the multiplayer matches of Splatoon 2 are even shorter than a run of Overwatch. So it's like, you know, if you're at work and you have your lunch break, you can eat your sandwich. And if you have Wi-Fi, <laughs> get through three games of Splatoon 2. Yeah, you just, and you make just open progress. your sandwich, pull out your iPhone, load up the app, <laughs> attach your, your, your branded uh, squid splitter to your headphones, uh, plug the other end into your switch, make sure everything is powered, turn your iPhone on, leave it on, make sure it doesn't go to sleep. And then your lunch is over and it's time to go back to work. Well, I talked about the app off. All of the app awfulness is true. But the good thing about it is, at least unranked, Matt, you can get in and have fun with randoms. What you're doing is pretty simple. You feel like you're making progress. You're unlocking things. Uh, the frustrating thing about it, and they've said that they're going to do make it more frequent, but their horde mode is called Salmon Run. But it's not available all the time. I can't go play it right now. Just uh, like real salmon. Like, like real salmon. Yeah, it's it's really... It's frustrating because it's really, really fun and it's only available certain times of the day. And if you miss it, you miss it. And the, no one quite knows why it's that way. People have um, throughout the hypothesis that it's because they want to keep player base as high as possible. So you just you're always matching and getting in games. So while it's an incredible game, there are some weird Nintendoisms to it. Also, once you're in a lobby waiting for matchmaking, there's no way to back out. You just have to wait. Like I've I had it happen a couple of times where it was whatever it was, the 200 seconds and not eight people joined. And then it kicks you back to the front menu. Like you can't. So the game is incredible, but there's still really weird things. When you're in the town, the central hub to like respect your character, you need to go into the shop to do the thing. You can't do it while you're waiting in the lobby. And while you can teleport to the shop, you actually have to like go there. <laughs> and so it's like the gameplay is great, but then there's still all of those Nintendo built arounds that, aren't quite there yet <laughs> hmm. have you played it at all though jeff i played it at e3 and that was the only time and at, at e3 they forced me to play with the awful gyro controls and i was like i would rather hit myself with a ball peen hammer than play with the gyro controls i also so. have those turn turn those off and then i turn your sensitivity way up because you do want to move quickly because you're slopping paint around so you don't need to be you know going for a headshot you're going to douse as much of the floor as you can as possible but i i much prefer high sensitivity and motion control turned off jay were you a splatoon one guy at all did you dive into the franchise i didn't play it as much as i would like um i had some i have some friends that work in nintendo uh so when i was living in seattle when it was like first coming out uh we had a couple sessions at their house and i liked it right away i kind of the same thing i started playing it and immediately turned off the motion controls um but it was something i was i, I kind of got it and was into um that's actually like Outside of Zelda, that's kind of the number one thing why I would want a Switch right now. I think that game is just like super, super fun. And everybody at work is playing it right now, too, which is not helping at all. <laughs> not helping yeah, productivity. It's, uh, it's yeah. really good. High DLC pack's getting delayed. <laughs> <laughs> or there's going to be like a featured mode in Titanfall where you're just slopping paint everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the maps now. now your Titan can like go under the ground for some reason and uh, pop up in other places. This is crazy. Draw like weird emoji like bubbles, <laughs> word bubbles for No, a funny thing, my just funny side story out of that. We had a this is when I was working at 343 and Splatoon 1 at first it was out and uh, The Force Awakens had just hit theaters mm -hmm. and our production artist was a huge Star Wars fan and he wasn't going to be able to go see it opening weekend. He had tickets set up for like a nice movie theater kind of going up and we were telling him we were like Chase 
dude, you really just, even if it's like at a crappy movie theater, you really should just go see it if you don't want anything spoiled because he was being really strict about it. And, you know, he's, he's working at a game studio. So like all of us saw it opening night. Right. Um, and he's like, no, man, I'm just gonna be really careful. I'm gonna stay off Twitter. Um, and I should be fine. And that week he was playing Splatoon oh, and he no. was in the hub space and someone had drawn the picture of Han Solo and Kylo Ren. No! Uh, and had drawn like a little graphic of it. Of the, Why of the would you draw happening. that? And he came in the next day just devastated because he was like, I just had a big, big part in The Force Awakens uh, get spoiled for me. And I was like, how? How did the, where did Where did you go? Like, how did you see that? And he was like, it was in Splatoon. They drew a picture of it. Spoil tune. Spoil tune, oh, man. So that was that's crazy. But yeah, hopefully I'll get on the Splatoon train uh, within the next few months this year because I mean the game just looks super fun. Like I said, the word of mouth has just been awesome for it. I think it's I think it's a super fun game. And it's yeah, it's very casual friendly in terms of I'm sure. I mean I know there are pros out there, but I, you can have fun with it just playing. And while graphically it's not pushing the boundaries it's not 4k it's not hdr or whatever but the the use of color they've done in it and the way that the ink is kind of on top of platforms and the way it splats on top of things it looks it looks really 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 good christian could you see a competitive scene coming out of this do you think it's got the chops for it the first game had a small one, um, a devoted one. And when you play against some of those people or you watch high level play, it definitely can support it. Whether or not Nintendo goes full hog with it, I'm not sure. You know, they've had their ups and downs with things like Evo and Smash, even where the game is there. But for, I think it was what, two years ago, they said no. And then there was this huge petition to bring it there. Um, it seems like Nintendo is very esports aware now, though. I don't know how they rectify how awful the voice chat is. If everybody on your team has their smartphones and you're all yelling, I yes, <laughs> man, that seems bad. But the <laughs> the depth of the game is there to, to be able to do it. Like you definitely play against uh, some good people, and you're like, oh, I'm just throwing paint, <laughs> <laughs> right? But like, I enjoy watching it. Like, I do think it's a fun spectator uh, game. Yeah, I could, I could see that if it was right, rightfully supported. And yeah, it's funny for some of the things Nintendo does so well. It feels like they're kind of tone deaf on a few other things. And it's sure. easy to to see because you you just see the map. You see where the paint is being colored, so you have a pretty yeah. good idea, but not a hundred percent because some of the games are one fifty three percent to forty seven, and you can't eyeball that on a map. But you're like, oh, blue's doing it. Um, yep. It totally works. It totally That's works. Cool. So cool. I'm assuming you don't need to talk about the Punisher because you just be reiterating all the headlines that have been on the internet all week. <laughs> I love these arcade brawlers, X-Men, Spider-Man was a great one, TMNT2 on NES, the, my girls have been playing that uh, on NES, that arcade game, and I, I splurged and bought The Punisher on Genesis, which goes for anywhere from 60 to 120 bucks, depending on the condition you buy, wow. uh, yeah, uh, on eBay. Um, what did you, you get, pay, re- Christian? What did I pay? Yeah. 85 I think? 85 which is right on the middle ground which is about what you would pay when it came out it came out (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's really good so the arcade port the arcade version of this it's capcom is gorgeous like gorgeous gorgeous pixel art like street fighter 2 level just incredible animations and to that the fact that they brought this home on genesis is done really really well uh it you know it's the final fight it's streets of rage that genre but this game was coming out at peak 90s-ness you know where like games had attitude you you have a gun and you're just 
certain levels you're just bla- like blood splattering you get a knife and you're just jacking people you play as the punisher or nick fury and if you play on easy which is great if you play on easy after the third level kingpin shows up and is like nice try you thought you could defeat me on easy mode and then it kicks you back to the menu which is beautiful um you have you have like your standard hit punch and jump at the same time and you do your special move but that hurts you a little bit but you can also jump in the air and throw grenades and when the grenades drop the guys are all all on fire and they're the dalsum fire model just reused in this game which is beautiful and when you read about this game it got a lot of praise back in the day for its comic book inspired uh cutscenes and store the way the story was delivered and if you play it now all it is is a cutscene with text on the screen. <laughs> but it's like, comic it's book comic book inspired. inspired. Cutscenes are incredible. And it's just we like, use text. Yeah. It's just like, I, I guess this was comic book inspired. But it's, it's a, a really cool example of the genre. Not the, you know, it's not the best. It's not Streets of Rage 2, which I think is kind of up there as, as one of the best brawlers or whatever your personal final fight is. But the use of the license in a smart way. Um, and that time when you had so many of these licensed brawlers coming out, um, combined with Capcom, who had such a great pedigree of making this game and then appreciating the pixel art and playing through it. It's, uh, it's worth playing, worth tracking down if you can find, or if you can find it at your local arcade, pull up the, uh, you know, throw a couple of quarters in. It's, it's really, really fun. Well, I got to talk. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I've played this week that we probably don't have time for, uh, but I'll, I'll keep playing them. These are like very deep lengthy games like Fortnite and gigantic uh, i'm just have played more of those games uh, over the week and i'll continue to talk about them in weeks to come but the game i want to talk about most is pyre because i'm a huge fan of super giant um mm. although i didn't really get hooked on transistor as much as i did on bastion but i adore bastion i i, I can always talk about that game and pyre okay. these guys it's a very very small studio i think they have like 11 people in the studio. Wow. Really? Yeah. And the stuff they're able to come out with is so creative, so interesting, so beautiful. Pyre is a beautiful game, just gorgeous. And it it supports 4k resolutions on PlayStation 4 pro. I'm playing it on PC at a really, really high resolution. And it's just exquisite. I mean, painterly, colorful, beautiful, whimsical there's a fun whimsy with the you're in the you're this caravan of fantastical characters creatures sort of hybrid human and animal things that wear masks for some reason and you're in this caravan that sort of bops along and it looks very animated like an old disney cartoon of like you know the uh, you know mr toad's wild ride or something and uh and the game itself is just brilliant i think it, it is a throwback to NBA Jam or the old NHL hockey games on Genesis and and Super Nintendo. Now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I mean, I'm talking about this fantasy game, and it really is a fantasy role playing game with lots of leveling and and storytelling. And the same central mechanic is basically a sport. It's basketball or soccer or lacrosse or. Uh, Hockey, I think, is a great example because in hockey, you could like knock people over. In this game, you are a group of three characters and you have a stable that you can rotate in and out different characters to constitute your team against an opposite team of three. And you each have a pyre, which is basically your goal. And you're trying to take this orb that spawns in the center of the map, center of the ring or field or whatever. And you're trying to take that ball and throw it into the pyre or jump with it into the pyre 
to score points and diminish your enemy's pyre. Once you've eliminated their pyre, you win the match. These are called rights in the context of the game. And the way you do that is you have this orb and you can pass it between players. You can throw it and you can jump with it. Uh, but the other players on the other team, everybody's got this aura around them. And if you have the ball, your aura disappears. If you have the orb, your aura disappears. And if someone else's aura touches you, you get eliminated for a brief period of time from the game. You, you have like a, a cooldown timer until you respawn and the ball drops where it knocks, not, was knocked out of your hands. So then you're down to just two characters for a short period of time. And you can actually eliminate the entire enemy team by knocking into them with your aura or you actually can shoot your aura forward as a projectile and eliminate them as well. So there's a lot of strategy involved, the leaping from a, a long distance and, and you know delivering the orb into the pyre is really satisfying and fun. The game is beautifully tuned and feels so responsive and perfect. And these matches are thrilling and fun and feel like feel like the best experience you've had playing NBA Jam, but also kind of its own thing. It's it's not any one of those. It's a hybrid of all of them and at the same time, something fresh and interesting. It's really, really fun. My only gripe with the game is that those rights in the context of playing through the single-player campaign are few and far between. And... I have so much fun doing them that that's kind of all I want to be doing. And there is a multiplayer mode does not support online multiplayer. It is only local multiplayer or you can play the rights against AI. Oh, wow. This is PC, right? PC and PlayStation. This is 2017, right? It is. In fact, um, (laughs) are they sharing offices with Nintendo? Like what's happening? (laughs) They have come out with a statement that said they had a working model for the online multiplayer. They were not satisfied, satisfied with it. They're, will never be a online mode for this game. They're a team of 11 and they don't have the resources to do it the way they think it should be done with servers and all that stuff. And so they're not doing it. It is local multiplayer or it is a play against AI. Um, And and it's a bummer because I think this could be a very robust uh, kind of multiplayer experience. And I think it's something that people could really get hooked on. But it's going to be, you know, Street Fighter standing next to the guy. It's going to be that kind of experience. And I, and I honestly, I hope this game is successful enough that it turns into an eSport because I think people could get really good at it and it could be really fun to watch. But for now, you can't play online. Or not, I feel not, like, not forever. I feel like training then is is difficult because it's like the chat is saying the difficulty isn't super hard even on, on master level or the hardest difficulty of this game uh, against the AI for the that mode. And I guess if you're going to do an esport, you got to get your friends over to like, hey, you yeah. guys want to come over and have me kick your butt and pyre for a couple of hours? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like that back in the day. That's how you trained on NBA Jam or uh, Street Fighter is you played with people in the same physical place. And that's how you got good. Um, you know, that's kind of a you throwback to the arcade, to that. though. You, you quartered up, right? Like yeah. you were like, today I'm going to golf and game. Right. And Playing strangers. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You still was a way to play with people you didn't know. It's a good point. Um, yeah. Either way, the the story is really complex and deep and has a big fan- – there's a fantasy world that is very unique. And I have always been a big proponent of – fantasy doesn't have to mean orcs and wizards and 
hobbits. You know, it can be the Tolkien version of fantasy has sort of taken over and everything is, is, uh, elves and orcs, but the idea of fantasy can be anything. And I think they really run with that and make a, a wholly unique universe that is their own. But I kind of feel like they went a little too far in all of that stuff because at a certain point, I just want to do more of those rights and I'm slogging through all of these narrative moments and there's choices to be made throughout. There's fun, cool, like which direction are we going to go? You're following the stars. You're like this guy that can read the stars and it's a lot of Michigas that ultimately I stopped caring about because I just wanted to get back to the cool mini game that was at the center of the experience. And so much of the leveling and story progression just felt like too much. Like they had a balance and they put story and narrative, uh, you know, too heavily on one side and the, the other stuff was just not equally balanced. Mm. But it's an amazing game and, and people should play. I think it's only $20. Um, it's uh, it's fantastic. And the central play of it is so good and the game looks so pretty. I can't overstate that either. So Pyre, definitely worth checking out for $20. All right, guys. Uh, let's move on now. I, there's definitely – I mean we're running long already. But there's definitely some VR stuff we got to talk about. So let's get to VR talk. <laughs> VR, oh my gosh, there's such good stuff happening in VR right now, guys. I can't even handle it. Um, I want to talk first and foremost about Lone Echo again because, Christian, you finally played it. I kept offering to buy it for you. You wouldn't let me. Uh, I kept saying, buy me Punisher, buy me Punisher. Yeah. (laughs) No, Lone Echo is like half the price of that 1992 Genesis game. <laughs> uh, so you played it. Yeah, I'm maybe a little over two hours in speaking. I guess you can do things in different order. So saying what I've just did doesn't exactly say. Oh, you haven't done the first three big things yet. I have. I, I have done two. Okay. I've done two. I did things with uh, a suit that protects me in a hot temperature or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I did, um, I I hung out with some plants. Right. Are what I've done. Um, Okay. So I don't think I love this game as much as you. I need to. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet, but go ahead. I I haven't finished. So, right. So where I am. Um, And then the other thing that's hard about VR is I'm never sure if it's a limitation of my space. You know, the space I'm playing with. It's not the hugest office work area. Or I have I'm playing with a two sensor touch setup, not a three full room scale. And so while this game can become incredibly immersive, because as you talked about, you know, you're touching your wrist to activate your scanner and then under your wrist to do your cutter and then your helmet to do your light. And you're like, you're actually doing all of this stuff. And that is still neat. It's really neat to put my finger to my temple and have my light turn on in game like that's cool. It becomes incredibly frustrating when I touch my wrist four times and my thing doesn't come out. Um, and like every game has this, every game have like, you know, going back to Punisher, even way back again, old timey games, I don't throw my grenade every time I try to, but it's not quite as, uh, it doesn't hinder the experience the same way as I feel like it does in VR, where when it works and everything clicks, you're like, beep, boop, 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 boop. I'm this robot, this is great. And then I'm like, wrist, 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 
Red. Okay, got it. Well, and then let me I ask you this thing. question: Did you actually physically touch touch your own wrist? Yeah. Because see, that's what what I got to was that when I actually physically touched my own wrist and not tried to play video game uh, by like f- touching where I thought the weird VR thing was, but if I literally touched my my skin, yeah, it worked every time. Yeah, I'm touching my skin. It's not. I don't. Again, I don't. That, that's the hard part about it. Like I don't know if it's the game my sensor like oculus tells me my sensors are set up right um so these are all maybe it's the game maybe it's not and then this morning i wanted to play more before we did the show and i got about an hour in or something like that but i i had to restart my whole computer everything worked fine on my computer but i tried it was the only oculus game that wouldn't launch it just i was hung in the menu and it wouldn't start and that in vr is so much more frustrating than again it is even on like nes we had to pull the cartridge out and blow it because i'm like i have my headset on i got my move controllers on my touch controls i'm ready to go are you kidding me are you and then anyway uh so all of that being said vr lives and dies by its immersion right and so when this thing is firing on all cylinders and i'm touching and things are working it's awesome but every time i turn around because i feel like this game is very much room you have three sensors right i do I feel like it's very much room scale in the sense that it expects me to do a full 180. Like Can I I'm, tell you what I what I have come to with playing these games, uh, Mage's Tale and this one, uh, I plant my feet, plant okay. my feet, and I never move them. I How stand, do you get to the stuff behind you? I, I feel like I turn with the uh, the analog stick. Everything I do does that turn you in this? Mm-hmm. That's so funny. I haven't even tried. I've been walking around my office like an idiot. <laughs> oh, Christian. Yeah. I plant my feet with Mage's Tale and this game. I'm only ever looking toward my computer monitor. Yeah. I'm oriented toward my computer monitor. I turn my head. I turn my torso. I turn my arms. I reach behind me. But if I ever need to go behind me, I uh-huh. turn with the analog stick and rotate the the world in the game and then uh-huh. do that. And I find that is so much better. Even with my third um, sensor behind me, I find that is so much better because I never, uh, I never bump into things in my world. I never smack anything. I never, I'm never yeah. tied up with the cord. And it works really, really well in the context of the game too. Um, I also set up a a fan on the floor that I point at myself. And I always can feel where that fan is coming from. So I know where I'm oriented in relation to the real world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I just had a more you know star go over my head for that. Because this game tells you so many of what all the other buttons do. And I, I haven't even tried the analog sticks. Like, um, Well, you haven't gotten all... the, the thing that you do with the analog sticks that's an essential part of the game yet either. Okay. You, you have, you haven't even, you, you kind of haven't gotten out of the tutorial. Uh, right. No, I, every time I do something new, it's like load this thing to learn how to use right. your whatever. Um, so I, I'm enjoying the game. I, I do think that, um, I, where did I read this on a Reddit somewhere? Someone described for them the difference. This is, this is clean words, but it, it talks about the existence of, of sex. Um, someone said the difference for them in VR and regular gaming is like sex and masturbation. Like they both get you to the same point, but VR is so much better. It's like how they described how transformative VR was. I would concur. And for me, it's not that like I have, I, I, I enjoy it, but I feel like we're not quite there yet. When you, someone buys VR, you often tweet at them. Welcome to the dawn. And I think that's accurate. We're at the dawn. And so like, 
all these little things that that bother me about it pull me out of it. And I also still love flat screen gaming. I mean, I'm playing Punisher, a Genesis game. I love it. I'm sitting down and, you know, playing Splatoon 2. I don't I don't sit there and think I wish this was in VR. One game I've been playing, I did think that about. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, um, I don't have a problem going back and forth. And it's all these little things like the cord, me turning it, not working. I'm like, I want VR 10 years from now. So I'm enjoying the game. I'm going to finish it. But as of now, it is not currently on my top five of the year kind of thing. I hope you play more. At least get to the point. Well, I don't even want to say, but... I will finish the game. I, I, you told me how long it is. I will finish the game. Oh, awesome. Okay. I think you will like more of it as you continue. And now that you know that you don't have to wander around your space like a moron. Uh, I Yeah. I, I think hope. that will help too. Jay, you are a fan of VR. Am I right? I enjoy VR very much, yes. So what have you been playing lately inside the headset? Uh, so um, I don't personally own any of the VR sets. Um, I've dabbled in all of them. Um, but what I do have is at work, we've got an HTC Vive. Um, that's just sort of like the office sort of VR thing. So I will take that home here and there and just play with stuff there. So that's sort of the context. Um, most recently, um as far I've been playing, I play a lot of the free little game stuff. So I, I dabble in all sorts of those. I think the new uh, Steam uh, Room VR uh, stuff that they're doing is super rad. These are essentially small spaces um, that you can set up your menu, props, you know, draw, do all sorts of fun stuff. But they also uh, have a lot of UGC, and so they have things that Valve art- artists have made. Mm-hmm. So they'll have like um, you can walk around the Valve lobby uh, right. with like Gabe uh, narrating sections of it. There's been a Where's couple. Half of Life really- Three, Gabe. Where's Half Life yeah, Three? Gabe? <laughs> I was looking. Uh, I was looking under the couch, and like, <laughs> the, I couldn't find anything there. I was hoping there'd be like an Easter egg or something. <laughs> That'd be awesome if you, literally there's a box for Half Life Three under the couch. Yeah, but- Oh, that'd just be you mean. I miss, I miss it when Valve made games, guys. Those were good times. That was good. Um, but uh, they also have done some really cool Star Wars uh, sets. Um, they had uh, the Rancor Cave, which like scared me to death when I first like zoned into it. Um, and he's standing right over you. Uh, this great space battle, the Millennium Falcon fighting with some X-Wing and TIE fighters. It's all like this frozen diorama that you can walk around on top of the Millennium Falcon and look at all of it. Oh, man, I got to do that. I didn't know those were in there. I got to check that out. It's really – and they're adding new stuff all the time and it's all like – it's all like um, they have ratings for it. So you can search by popular and there's – I've been inside like the the garage in Rick and Morty, uh, the break room in Futurama. Um, Some people have recreated some Mario Kart maps that you can like walk around on it's pretty wild um so that's really cool as far as full games the first one that i did recently uh that was recommended to me was the gallery episode one call of the stars love it that was super that was the first time i had gone from playing vr demos like the lab to playing like a full-on game um and wow like what a rabbit hole to go now i want now i'm just like i'm I'm trying not to go crazy because it's like now i want to just buy a bunch of games like uh, everybody at work is telling me i gotta play super hot yeah um oh yeah among many others that they're recommending but i'm I'm also like i actually don't own vr yet so i feel silly that i'm gonna buy a bunch of vr games for a vibe that i'm basically borrowing from work uh here and there um so i'm trying to i'm trying to be cool about it but um it's getting more and more difficult because yeah playing starseed was Super cool. Um, and the second episode really? is supposed to hit by the end of the year. And oh, is it really? I don't want to. Sp- have you finished Starseed? 
I have, yeah. Okay. The episode one I have. So the ending is crazy and yep. amazing. Uh, yep. And so based on what you saw at the end, that's where the second one starts. And I, I played a little of it at GDC this year. And it, they are really like embracing everything that the end of that episode means, if you know what I'm talking about. So uh, yep. it's going to be awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I love just discovering the puzzles. And yeah, it really was like that was the moment like playing that where I started to feel like what a full real game uh, could be like in VR. And that was my first experience with it. So I'm still kind of just blown away by it. And it's really making me want to uh, dig dig deeper in, into it. VR is still kind of fairly new for me, like I said, because I haven't owned any of the headsets. Yeah. I've only borrowed them. But, um, you know, I my dad was out here for father's day. He came out here to spend the weekend with me and, uh, I brought it home from work and showing like civilians. I call people outside the yeah. industry, um, showing them VR for the first time. Like, man, if you just needed to like understand like where the magic is <laughs> or just to get excited about it, like my dad putting on the headset and me just kind of like demoing stuff and jumping him through stuff, like just watching him yeah. just be completely blown away by it. Um, interested, like that never gets old showing people. I do totally it, so. agree, man. I had the same yeah. experience with my parents and, and putting them in and it just like the, yeah, feeling like, Oh my God, this is what's possible now. It, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm uh so I'm uh star seed was there. I'm probably going to pick up super hot this week because I know my willpower is going to be weak. You but, will not uh, regret it. I was actually – I saw you, Jeff, tweet a while ago about Lone Echo and I was going to pick it up. But it looks like it's Oculus only. It is. For now it is. Uh, Although you can – You can, you, you revive, can do it. Revive is a program that like – You do some hack stores yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly. But just start start with Superhot. You know, it's one of the best VR experiences I've ever – I love the, the regular game too and they are different games. Yep. But it is – one of the absolute best VR experiences I've ever had. That and the Star Wars demo from uh, Battlefront are my two favorites because it's just, you know, totally I'm piling an X-Wing. I don't care if it's only five minutes. Batman too, but Super Hot is better than Batman. Speaking of, did you guys do the Spider-Man Homecoming yeah, demo? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I mean, you know what though? The, the, the web-slinging, I'm like, if you guys would have actually had the web-slinging, right. I would have been pretty into right. that. They, chose they had it, made they the game. Know. It's a tantalizing tease of what is possible, but it's so half-assed that it's like, oh... I want what this game indicates that it could be doing, <laughs> you know, uh, I love in the chat. Um, Saz Mataz says, Oh my gosh, the first time my mom tried VR so much shrieking. It was magical. <laughs> so cool. Aww, uh, so I know that I've gone crazy like three weeks in a row now for a new different VR game, but we're really, we're really hitting our stride guys. We're VR is really hitting its stride between lone echo, the mage's tale. And now a game that's coming out tomorrow uh, Christian and I both got early codes for Dino Frontier. You probably heard me talk about it. Um, gosh, when was it? The GDC or some sometime I played an early version and I came away. PlayStation. A PlayStation experience? Was that what it was? That's right, Mayor. <laughs> uh, so I came uh, back from that just, just completely thrilled about this game. And now the full version, I'm even more delighted. Christian, are you going to crush my dreams and tell me you didn't like this either? I really like this game. Oh, I think yes. I think it would work out of VR just as well. I just I, as well. No, pretty close. Uh, mostly because again, it's it's you live and die by your immersion, and these PlayStation Move controllers are awful, awful. It's not. You're not wrong. 
I, I want this game to come out on Oculus or Vine. I need a thumbstick. Like you're, the way you're moving around the world, I'm like, no, but I, it's I actually, feel like it's pretty good, man. It's, I mean, no. you're grabbing the world and pulling it toward. Okay, let's step back. Let's step back. Let's step. Back. Okay, yeah. Dino Frontier is a god game like Populous or The Sims, but what you are doing is you're on the frontier. You're in this sort of wild west place. You're building buildings and you're uh, f- farming, collecting resources to build more buildings, cutting down trees. And it's all your little people, your little frontier people doing that. But the conceit of this world is it's dino dinosaurs are still alive and they hang out with the wild west. And so instead of horses and cows and cattle, it's all dinosaurs, which, okay, you already got me because that's incredibly a cool idea. So you're capturing dinosaurs, you're taming dinosaurs, and it's all your little people. And you are a giant godlike creature that can uh, move around the map. Uh, Actually, you can change the scale of the world very easily. You stretch and pull it. And so you can get down and have it be one-to-one with how you look. You can be, you know, perfectly um, proportional size to the world. Or you can hover above it like a god and look down on it and have it be little tiny ants in your little ant farm. Um, And the way you do that is you literally reach out and like grab and pull the world closer to you or whatever. And so you're literally like using your hands to pluck people up pick them up, drop them onto buildings to have them use whatever that building's function is, pluck them up and drop them onto trees to have them chop trees, drop them onto fields to have them plow the field. Uh, And then there's also combat and stuff where you can turn them into different things using buildings to then have weapons that they do. And then you also go off on these quests that are like mini games all on their own where you sort of take a break from the real-time strategy of your little populous Sims world to do something different for a little while that are really fun and awesome. So your biggest gripe, Christian, is just purely the move controllers, right? Twofold. Move controllers and a game that encourages me to do so much reading. I feel like the resolution... like. That gives me eye strain. And the same thing is true of Lone Echo, where I'm like reading things on my tablet or looking at things on my watch. The resolution isn't there to make that enjoyable for me. Well, I don't remember there being a lot of reading. And I guess the tutorial stuff, there's reading. But once you're into the game, there's not really any reading in Dino Frontier. If you want to check on your guys, your quick look for everything oh. is on your wristwatch to pull up your stuff. I like true. knowing yeah. where my stuff is and like what my resources are as I'm doing this resource management, kind of you know building out my frontier and seeing where I need support. And I, I have given it up just because it, it's not fun. The resolution of the headset isn't quite there. Um, but the world is so cute. The graphics like, or the art direction they went with and the music they went with is is really, really, really charming. And it, it pulls you into the world uh, really quickly. I, I I recommend the game. If they had said it's coming out on Vive or Oculus, you know, they gave that a date. I would say wait because <laughs> I think the experience would be that much better. But um, it's, it's really, really well made and really charming and really fun. Uh, I do think you could experience it and have almost as much fun, if not as much fun, on like PC though you're using a mouse. Let me explain to you why I disagree with that sentiment. Because first of all, I have played many, many, many hours of this, and I have done so in large chunks of time. It is I play it seated, um, and I find it to be very comfortable. Uh, I I have gotten my move controllers situated in in relation to the camera into situation where they. Are, I don't have any glitches. I don't have any problems. It took me a, a little of finagling to figure out where the camera is best seated for that all to happen. And I am annoyed that I have to do that with the PlayStation VR. But I have gotten to that point where I can play it for long periods of time 
And I love this game. I love this game. It, you, what you said about its its style is so spot on. It feels like a game that has a soul. It has heart. It, every little thing is so, so beautiful and so endearing. The voice work is spectacular. It, and every little touch of of just unnecessary animation bits that they threw in to just make you feel happier about your little people, the little comments that they will make. Um, and where I disagree with you on the fact that it would be just as fine with a, with a mouse and keyboard, the pure act. Okay. So I can pick up a guy, I can reach down and grab a little man or woman and drop them onto the back of a dinosaur that I put a saddle on. I literally physically put a saddle on. I can drop them under the back of that dinosaur and they're, they're now they're astride a dinosaur and they're more powerful in combat. I can then also pick that dinosaur up by its tail and it hangs there and I can waggle it around and it hangs there. And then I take my other hand and I take the person and I pluck them off the back of the dinosaur to make them now two units again to separate them. That tactile interaction with the world is magic. And when my characters, my little guys have done enough that they level up, I pick them up and what, how do I make them level up? I turn my hand over I picked them up like with, you know, uh, with your finger and thumb, like, like tweezers picking them up, but I turn my hand over so that my palm is facing up and now they are in the palm of my hand and they have leveled up because I'm looking at them in the palm of my hand, like a little pet that I've got. And they're hanging out in the palm of my hand and they're like, Hey, thanks for leveling me up. It's, I, I just, I don't think we'll ever agree on this. I, Two will be an advocate of VR, not to the level you ever will be. And I guess this is my our, our roles on this show. You're you're not plucking them off. You're pushing a button. You are literally pushing a button. You are moving a wand over an air. You are putting it down. You are pushing a button. You are in no way plucking a guy up and picking them up. What do you mean? You're in not no way. I thought that you're, you're you're pushing a trigger button. That's all you're doing. But a trigger button that is situated in a way that gives me the sensation. Of the actual movement that a hand would go through. If no, I were it's not. It. Are you kidding? That's not a pluck motion at all. You, it's you're holding a thing and you're pushing a trigger, just like you would on an Xbox or PlayStation Four controller. It feels like you're grabbing something when you pull that. You're you're holding a wand and then you you pull with your hand like you're plucking something up. And then the visual that you're getting is is the plucking motion. And it, I find it convincing. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a cold dead heart. I don't have a cold, dead heart. The the visual you get shows a plucking, but you could have that. I'm, I, I appreciate what they're doing to represent this stuff in the space, but it's not, you know, what they've shown with knuckle controllers for the Vive and not even what you're seeing with rudimentary um, touch move control touch controllers for Oculus with like the thumb and the index finger. You're you're just pushing a button, and you could have cool tactile or interesting stuff done on this on a flat space too with the mouse. You bring it over, you pick them up, and then if you want to instead of turning your wrist over to get them on your hand, let's say you spun your you did a quick three sixty with your mouse, and that rotated the thing over. You're not you're you, telling you, me that the uh, the the sensation of seeing them in three D and having them look like physical little objects that have space and dimension you can lean in that that look like little diorama people little claymation characters that are in the palm of your hand isn't special it is is it is special but the shortcomings of vr keep it limited to just this is neat and we're not there yet i just want to before we move on i just want to also mention and i'll talk about this more on newest latest best but i want to mention that the quests that you go on that alone could be a great game and they're just one little part 
of of this world. Like there's a there's a mine that you eventually can build, and you literally depart your, the play area that you're normally in, and you go off on this adventure into a mine. And the way you play that game, it turns into a full on real time strategy game where you have to manage your dudes. You have a, a number of dudes that are mining the mine, and then the the cantankerous old. Uh, 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 bandits are coming. He's like, I'm going to get you. And, and they come from different areas, different um, paths at you to attack your guys and attack your mind. And if they d- destroy your mind to zero, you get kicked out of the mine. So you're managing, like, do I keep my guys on the mine to mine things? And the way they mine things, by the way, is like bits of gold and uh, other resources pop out and you have to literally pick them up and drop them into your bin to keep them. So your guys are furiously mining, but then there's also these stations where they can set up and, and hide behind uh, cover and shoot with their guns. The bandits that are attacking the bandits, by the way, that are sitting on the back of dinosaurs. So you have to like pick them up and hurriedly put them and defend certain areas. And it's like wave after wave of enemies that are coming. That alone could be one of my favorite VR games. And it's just a tiny portion of what is a joyous experience. I highly recommend Dino Frontier. I think it is one of the best games on PlayStation VR, bar none. And yes, the move controllers are janky and not as nice as the touch controllers or even the Vive uh, controllers. But I'm still in love with this game. Yeah, if you have a PSVR, it is 100% worth checking out. Agree. I'm glad you guys brought it up. I hadn't even heard of this game. I was looking at the trailer uh, while you guys were talking. It looks adorable. Right? It's super cute. I feel like it has a soul, this game. It's so fun. To, and every loading screen, you're in this little campfire, and there's all these comedic bits. There's, like, songs the guy sings that are, that are charming. There's little comments that he makes that are charming. It, the whole thing is wonderful. Um. Okay, so we have gone really, really long. I'm not even going to do the last segment. Uh, we, we're going to have quick questions. It'll be next week because uh, you know we got we got to we got to wrap this thing up. But you should know that you can submit quick questions uh, to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, along with any other comment or question you might want to have about the show. Dlcfeedback at gmail.com. And everybody who sends us a quick question that we use on the show will get, courtesy of Rich Grisham, friend of the show, will get a Steam code for Out of the Park Baseball 18. So uh, send those in, and uh, next week we will do quick questions and uh, weeks beyond as well. So dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's wrap up the show. This has been a fun one. Uh, Let's wrap up the show with our parting gift. But first... Jay Fresh, thank you so much for being here, sir. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. It's been super fun. I haven't done a podcast in a minute, and I miss doing it. So this was super fun. Well, you're me. always welcome back, uh, and uh, we can't wait to see what's next for Titanfall 2 and what's next for Respawn. Where can we keep up with you and the game and what's going on? Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, just uh, at Jay Freshette, F-R-E-C-H-E-T-T-E. Um, where I do talk about the game, but it's mostly pictures of my dog Willow. Um, 
And then uh, at Respawn, uh, Twitter is the best place to – we're showcasing so much fan art. i got to give a shout-out to our community and the amazing fan art they've been doing lately. Uh, they're just – our community comes up with all sorts of really fun stuff around the game. So uh, we've been really prioritizing showcasing a lot more of the cool stuff our community is doing, whether that's the fan art, tournaments, things like that. So at Respawn is the – on Twitter, it's the easiest way to stay up to date and everything. Well, there's – I mean, who doesn't want to see or draw awesome mechs? I mean, that's like – come yeah. on. That's Just don't draw totally. them spoiling. Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Seriously. Right. <laughs> Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Um, well, I will have a video review of Tacoma hitting my YouTube at midnight 01 to uh, Tuesday, early Tuesday morning slash, you know, whatever, however you count that as a day. It is Christian Spicer 713. You can find it there. Um, also, I think thanks to mostly you guys, I don't do tons of Twitch streaming. I need to get back into it. But uh, this page, my Twitch channel, which is just Christian Spicer, is an affiliate um, and if you want to use like your Amazon Prime sub or whatever you're doing in terms of, I mentioned at the top, giving back and doing things like that. Um, everything I'm going to be donating at least 50%. I'm trying to maybe get some real streaming going, but at least 50% of everything that comes in from this channel will be going to the LA Children's Hospital. And I will happily publicly show the accounting of that as well. Um, and I'm looking to expand to other great children's causes. I also like child's play, but right now I'm going to be focusing it on LA Children's Hospital here in Los Angeles. So if you wanted to do that. And if you're you a fan support. of accounting, he's going to show it. Oh, well, it's, man, like, it's, it's going to be, be like, here's, so fun. Here's the five mm. bucks based on the amount of streaming I do. Um, but, you know, doing doing good, yeah. putting putting good into the world. You, really and cool. then uh, Twitter is always easy at Spicer. I will be in Austin at part of Out of Bounds Fest over Labor Day weekend doing shows there Saturday and Sunday at least. And I'm looking at to set up my Retron to start streaming these retro games that I talk about so much. So if you want to see some Punisher in action, baby, I think uh, this week I should have that good to go. So you can look for that on Twitch as well. I think I might be doing much more consistent streaming very, very soon as well. So um, stay tuned for that. Probably over on um, on uh, Caffeine because uh, I'm friends with the Caffeine folks and I think it's going to happen there. Um, cool. Dude, get Jack as a special guest, man, and then subscribers for days. <laughs> oh, is that how that works? I could just exploit my child. Oh, come on. Absolutely. It's like how I do with online dating. All of my pictures <laughs> just have to have a picture of my dog in there. <laughs> uh, and that just works every time. So, I mean, just go with it. Cuteness always, always wins. Finally, he's good for something. There, there, you you go. Go. there you go. Uh, you can also listen to me talk about uh, movies and TV shows on the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilmcast.com. And uh, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns at WeHaveConcerns.com. And, of course, uh, I've talked about Newest, Latest, Best a few times. I'm hoping people check it out. Listeners of this show, give me a shot uh, to tell you about the news every single day and, and what, what else is going on in the video game world. Uh, you can find that at Newest, Latest, Best on iTunes. I should probably just make a link that would be easier to find. Uh, it's also on Anchor, anchor.fm slash NLB. Oh, ABTS underscore Doug says newest, latest, best is great so far, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Jay, do you have something you can recommend for people that might not be a video game? 
Um, oh my goodness. So, uh, two things that I've watched recently, like I said, as I've been bedridden, uh, the first is an HBO documentary series called the defiant ones. Uh, if you were a fan of hip hop, um, which I, you know, I, I grew up kind of, uh, with Dr. Dre and a lot of those guys, um, super well-produced, edited, great storytelling, um, of sort of that, uh, connection of Dre and Jimmy Levine, how they met and sort of their two separate stories through the music industry. But it was really well put together. It's four episodes. I uh, highly recommend it. And then I don't hold me terribly to this because I've only watched the first episode, but I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I'm a huge Avatar, Last Airbender, Korra fan. Um, and this sort of reminded me of it. Uh, Nico and the Sword of Light, which is an original series on Amazon Prime uh, animated series, which literally starts as like a 10 year boy breaking out of a crystal that's supposed to like save the world it's got like a crazy cool artistic visual style to it it's really like funny and lighthearted. uh kind of reminds me of samurai jack where there's just like crazy spaces and monsters and stuff that he's fighting but all done in a very sort of like fun lighthearted kind of way um i have not heard of this and you said avatar the last airbender so now i am definitely going to check it out i'm really intrigued like i said the pilot was pretty solid um and it's weird. It's sort of like like it reminds me like when I'm watching it, I'm like I felt like I was watching Avatar meets Adventure Time meets Samurai Jack. Like it was just a bunch of things kind of coming together. Um, so, so, Nico and the Sword of Light, and that's N I K O. Nico. N I K O. Yeah, and it's an Amazon Prime original, I believe. So I think it's just on Amazon Prime. But um, randomly came across that while I was binging on some shows while I was bedridden this awesome. weekend, and. The pilot was pretty cool, so I recommend checking that out as well. Great suggestions. We got a listener sending in a parting gift. Um, this was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, where you can send your parting gifts as well. This comes from Kyle Deckard. He says, I'd like to suggest a parting gift. I'd like to recommend the music of Linkin Park in honor of the late Chester Bennington. They were my favorite band. And talking to many people with many different musical tastes, I can honestly say there is a Linkin Park song out there for everyone at least one that will really hit you. Thanks for all you guys do. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, really sad news about Chester Bennington. Christian, were you a Linkin Park guy? Uh, I was uh, adjacent, never never super into them, but I, it's a, I mean, they just did their uh, Linkin Park show with, with Blink-182, and I was hoping there were going to be more of those. It's uh, it's sad. If you need help, there are someone out, there's always someone out there willing to listen. Call, call, call. You are not alone. Yep. Uh, I don't think I need to really suggest this because if you – I'm sure everybody listening to this has already watched Rick and Morty. But if there's any chance that A, you haven't or B, you didn't know that it came back last night, then here's your PSA. Uh, Rick and Morty, one of the greatest animated shows of all time in my opinion, uh, a brilliant, brilliant sci-fi idea orgy <laughs> it is incredible <laughs> uh and uh season three premiered last night with two episodes get on that rick and morty train it's on adult swim so check it out they got their chef's one sauce yes they did mcdonald's is actually bringing it back just because of them that's that's power that's real power right there as a community manager their social game is strong <laughs> that's definitely something i'm aspiring to for sure <laughs> that's amazing uh, all right, that's going to do it. Hold up. What? Mine is a PSA as well. The movie life oh, in the early November. I'm sorry, Christian. I apologize. No problem. I got it. Uh, the, early li- the early life, the early November and the movie life are on tour or starting tour very soon. And the movie life will be supporting a new album that comes out in September. 
and the early November is playing The Room's Too Cold in its entirety. Oh my God, one of my favorite albums ever by one of my favorite bands ever. So there's time to start listening to the early November now. You can check out 15, which is a kind of re-release of a bunch of their great songs over the years that was put out, I don't know, maybe a year ago, two years ago. And then The Room's Too Cold, which is OG early November and is just incredible. Go see them live if you're in LA. Uh, You can see me seeing them live when they are here as well. And they're playing awesome venues all across America. So go go check them out. I love them. Sorry about that. I, I uh, asked you about Linkin Park and it, I just assumed that we had done you. Sorry. Um, okay. That's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Jay Frechette and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks again to all the folks in the chat room that hung out with all of us in real time while we while we uh, did the show. You guys really do make the show better, and we appreciate it. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>